Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Uh, First of all, the facts are, again, a couple of days ago, Syria used this banned chemical weapon against the civilian population, 80 people killed, men, women, and children, and as the president points out, even little infants, uh, little babies. Um, That um, was met last night by a retaliatory strike by, again, 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles uh, launched from two destroyers in the eastern Mediterranean, and they struck the airfield, the very airfield, where the planes carrying those bombs uh, with the chemical weapons, uh, the plane that they, or the airfield they had departed from, uh, the strikes were targeted at uh, at that Al Shayat airfield, Shayat airfield, I guess it is, yeah. Uh, and the targets were the fighter jets there, the fuel tanks, the radar, uh, and the other equipment needed uh, to support uh, those planes. There were Russian officials at the base. Russia was warned ahead of time that the cruise missiles were headed that way, and they were advised to get their people out of the way. So far as we have learned, six people at the airfield were killed. President Trump last night, after having dinner with the president of China, um, gave a statement where, first of all, he uh, talked about here is what started it, Syria Uh, Here's what prompted it, Syria using banned chemical weapons. There can be no dispute that Syria used banned chemical weapons, violated its obligations under the Chemical Weapons Convention, and ignored the urging of the U.N. Security Council. And this is not the first time, as we know, that they use those uh, banned chemical weapons. Uh, The last time they did, President Obama had said ahead of time, if they ever use chemical weapons, that would be that would be they would be crossing the red line and we would definitely retaliate. Uh, They did. So Uh, the president, uh, President Obama, now we're talking about uh, considered whether or not he was going to follow through there with an airstrike and decided he would not do so unless uh, without going to Congress first. Uh, He went to Congress and neither Democrats nor Republicans in Congress were willing to support that effort, and then the day was saved when Russia came up and said, we've reached an agreement with Syria that they will uh, get rid of, never use chemical weapons again, and get rid of all the ones that they did. Obviously, uh, neither Syria nor Russia kept up with that deal because they still had enough, and they still use them again this week, causing, as President Trump described last night, the worst of deaths for this civilian population. It was a slow and brutal death for so many. Even beautiful babies were cruelly murdered in this very barbaric attack. 
he sounds strained there. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot out. of people who are giving Trump um, a lot of credit for how he's handling this. They're saying he's more serious and was clearly moved emotionally. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know what to make of all this. I, I don't I don't trust Donald Trump to make these decisions. I still don't. I don't know if no. this was the right thing or not, uh, but I, I don't. I, I don't trust Donald Trump with this position. This doesn't make him any more of a uh, an effective leader in my eyes. No. Uh, and then he makes the he d- announces to the American people uh, exactly what action he took. Tonight, I ordered a targeted military strike on the airfield in Syria, from where the chemical attack was launched. So. How do we deal with this as progressives? What's our reaction uh, as Americans? What is our reaction? Certainly, this raises, I think, this action raises more questions uh, than it answers. Um, Why is it always the United States that has to do this? Why is it always the United States alone that has to do this? Uh, Why not through the United Nations? Why not through with the partnership of now, other nations have supported this, by the way. France, Germany, the U.K. all came out, even Turkey, with statements of support. Uh, Russia, Vladimir Putin condemned it as an act of aggression. But again, why is it the United States that always uh, always acts alone? Why is it that, for the most part, uh, when we respond to something like this, it's always military response, right? Yeah. There's not a diplomatic response or there's not a— Sometimes we use sanctions. We have used sanctions, but more often than not, it's a military response, uh, which doesn't necessarily resolve anything. And again, this is yet one more time that a president, Republican or Democrat, Democrats have done it as well as Republicans, has authorized the use of military force and ordered our um, military into combat or into mil- uh, war actions of acts of war, which this was last night, without getting the authorization of Congress. Uh, Donald Trump is operating still under what President Obama operated under, which is what George W. Bush operated under, which is this authorization for the use of military force. Otherwise, there is no declaration of war. There is no congressional authorization for the action that was taken last night. Uh, And there should have been. uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, has made this case loud and strong, and he is right. At the same time, again, it's worth pointing out that no president has done so. doesn't make it right, but no president has done so since World War II. President Truman was the first one to ignore Congress ordering American troops into Korea uh, and back way back uh, in the 50s. So there are all those questions on one side, legitimate questions. You know, I'm sure that if President Trump had come to Congress and said, you see what happened? Now, here's what I plan to do without making it public. I understand that. You don't tell Russia or you don't tell Syria exactly when and where you're going to strike. Uh, But if he had come to Congress with that, going to the leadership of Congress, they could have had a quick vote yesterday. Uh, He would have gotten the authorization of of the majority of Republicans and Democrats. And by the way— And then we'd be in— would be in a lot safer ground. It, it should be pointed out that Barack Obama tried that route. Yeah, as and I tried to get congr- right. yeah, as you mentioned, yeah. and none of the Republicans were for it. Nobody got on board with it. Yeah. So, 
It's almost as if they were okay with Donald Trump doing it, but not okay with Barack Obama yeah. doing and it. That's it's a one, pure politics. And that's the one time when politics ought to step aside. Uh, and it has we, to. Yeah, yeah. For but, us to survive, it has to. Like, yeah. we have to treat these matters seriously. But Republicans aren't willing to do it. Right. Fact. So all of those questions are raised at the same time, uh, I must say, uh, and I'm um, not a... 100% pacifist, but maybe 95%, right? Uh, at the same time, you cannot, I don't think we can, to, as, a, as a people, tolerate the use of chemical weapons, particularly, and uh, period, especially not against the civilian population. Uh, and there has to be some response. Uh, Bashar al-Assad is an evil, evil person. Uh, our policy in Syria is a mess. Barack Obama made it a mess. It's still a mess. It's gone on for six years. There are millions of refugees, people have fled Syria, hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians in Syria uh, have been killed, and now the use of chemical weapons again. And the one thing that I must say that I think they did right in this, and I would credit Defense Secretary Mattis for this, by the way, um, is that this was a limited strike, and it happened very quickly, so there's no doubt that they were sending a message right away and it was directed at the airfield from where the planes, those planes came, uh, the planes that carried those chemical weapons into that uh, village in, in northern Syria. Uh, if they had bombed government buildings in downtown or just indiscriminate bombing, like Russia did, by the way, of the civilian population, no way you could support it. But a limited strike against a military installation, uh, I think it if there was had to be a response, that was the right response. We have uh, several of your tweets. We're, we're tweeting at BP Show, at BP Show. I want to get to those in just a second. But one thing I, that, that struck me about all this is this flies directly in the face of what Donald Trump promised his base, his people, uh, of what he would do as president, right? It was really interesting to hear him invoke the NATO and their uh, breaking of the NATO agreements yes, yes, yes. in his speech because he has very little regard for NATO. And he has said, we're not going to get involved in other people's business. we got our problems here. So I'd be very curious to – I don't disagree with you, but I'd be very curious to hear what his base says about this because we are, again, playing the world's cop. Uh, his base will – we know his I think base. Uh, he could uh, he could actually uh, take out a gun and shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, his base would stay with him, as he himself was pointed out. But you are absolutely correct. I mean, this is a this this is a total total change of direction for Donald Trump. Completely. In fact, let's go back in the way back machine here. Back first of all is to September twenty eight. 2015 candidate Donald Trump. Let Syria and ISIS fight. Why are we? Why do we care? I look at Assad, and Assad to me looks better than the other side. Oh, Assad looks better. So yeah, just that, that was what he was saying. Let's stay out of there. Let Syria and ISIS just fight it out. We don't belong there at all. Uh, a little bit later that year, just a couple of weeks later, October the 11th, 2015, on CBS. Now it's such a mess over there with everybody involved and the airspace is very limited. You know, it's not that big an area. The airspace is very limited. So now you have, what are we going to start, World War Three over Syria? Oh, so again, stay out. What do we want to do? Start World War Three over Syria? Uh, jump ahead to spring 2016, actually, May the 10th, May the 20th, 2016, 
on Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough. Again, stay the hell out of Syria. I would have stayed out of Syria, and I wouldn't have fought so much for Assad, against Assad. What you're saying is Assad can stay in power. That's not your interest. No, your what interest I'm saying is, is we have bigger what, problems what your than interest, Assad. Yeah. Yes, and just last week, Sean Spicer said the policy of this administration, uh, I believe, actually, he repeated this as recently as Monday, that the policy of this administration was that Saddam, uh, that Bashar al-Assad could stay in power. It was no longer the goal of the United States to remove him from power. Now, that was before the chemical attack. Since then, again, in the Rose Garden the other day, Donald Trump said his attitude toward Assad had changed overnight uh, and indicated uh, that he would take some reaction. But It's the- very, very possible, and I will tell you, it's already happened that my attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much. Mm. Yeah. Now, though, the question is, what happens next? And, you know, he, I have to tell you, he doesn't know and we don't know because no. this is now a six-year civilian of civil war in, in Syria. Um, Assad seems to have the upper hand, but with this, the brutality against his, uh, his people— and now the use of chemical weapons. So having done this, what do we do? Walk away? Do we, you know, during the campaign, Donald Trump sometimes talked about we ought to create safe zones, which we would protect where Syrian civilians could be safe uh, and, and, and resume their lives. Is that what we're going to do? Uh, are we going to have a no-fly zone in Syria? Are we just going to stay out of Syria and let this carnage continue. Uh, And then there's a little fact about Russia support. By the way, shame on Russia for supporting uh, Bashar al-Assad. But, you know, that's the foothold for Russia in the Middle East. And Putin, uh, as I mentioned, condemned uh, this uh, action last night as an act of aggression. He quickly came to the defense of uh, he has not condemned the use of chemical weapons no. by Assad, but condemning our response to it. So what does and, that mean with our relations with Russia? Yeah, and by the way, Russian military says that they will help Syria strengthen its air defenses after this U.S. strike. So what we just did and took out some of their air defenses, Russia is going to actively get involved to help rebuild those. And there were, by the way, no Russian fighter jets at this air base. So we did not destroy any Russian fighter jets which would have made it even more complicated. But all I'm saying is now the big question is what's next? And, you know, uh, the one thing you can be sure that Barack Obama, before he ordered any military action, and he did, and Bill Clinton did, we've seen this before, a quick surgical strike, that's what they call them, right? But Barack Obama certainly would have sat down in the Situation Room with his advisors and said, okay, now, What's the plan after we do this? What are the next steps? I'll bet you Donald Trump never asked that question and never considered it. Uh, Elena Schneider is campaign reporter for Politico, joining us in studio. Hello, Elena. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Uh, Let's start off with the breaking news of the day (laughs) about a Senate race in Utah, Mitt Romney, Thank you. really coming back? Well, the return of Mitt. 
Well, if, uh, I mean, if there's any, I mean, there's a little bit of like kabuki theater here where you've got Orrin Hatch coming out saying, you know, who's 83, I would only retire, I would only, you know, give up my seat if the perfect candidate were to run. And you know who would be the perfect candidate? <laughs> Mitt Romney would be the perfect candidate. No. Um, Is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, That's God. absolutely what he said. So um, there's a bit of, uh, you know, where did, where did this rumor start? Yeah. Um, but certainly there's been a lot of reporting of late that that uh, he's he's had these ongoing conversations about potentially running. And if he were to run, it sounds like Warren would actually retire, which he wasn't going to which he wasn't going to do. Um, so that could change things, certainly. Who was the guy that ran for uh, for president and, and uh, the Mormon who almost won Utah? Oh, none of us can remember. Evan McMullen. Evan McMullen. Evan McMuffin. Thank you. Evan soon, McMuffin. Evan McMuffin. Soon forgotten. <laughs> yeah, right. So he would not be considered the perfect candidate to replace Orrin Hatch, um, I guess. Huh? No, I, he has not been mentioned. I mean, the so. American people have spoken, and they're not particularly enthused about Mitt Romney. But maybe the people of Utah. But maybe the people of Utah. But that's, I think that's. Like Don't the pinnacle of his the Mormons. Yeah, no, I no, I don't. I think he would win in a in a landslide. Yeah, but I mean, if this is some track for him to get back to the White House, oh boy, this is not going to end well for him. No, I think this would be the end of the road for him. I don't know, but I, I think we all agree that were he to run in Utah for U.S. Win. Senate, yeah. he'd win. He'd yes, win. Absolutely, yeah. he would win. Right. Yeah. Does he uh, want that headache? Guy's a billionaire. Like, just like. Enjoy being rich and no, and have no obligations. Who wants to go to the Senate? Ugh. Hmm. Uh, well, so we've got that one. Probably going to happen, I would imagine. Uh, the interesting um, campaign uh, congressional races mm-hmm. for, for this year. Let's start in Georgia, which seems to be getting the most attention. Tom Price uh, gave up his seat to become HHS secretary. Right. And uh, there's a, what, about... 33 candidates down there or something in total? I don't know. It's, it's an enormous field. I think it's 18 um, in total. And Georgia's funny in the way that they do special elections and that they do an all-party primary, which is the same thing that California does in which all of the candidates, regardless of party, all appear on the same mm-hmm. ballot. Right. And the top two vote-getters, regardless of party, also make it into a runoff if nobody reaches 50%. So those dynamics... Um, help in yielding the possibility in which we might actually see a Democrat squeeze through here, which is why we've seen Mm -hmm. uh, John Ossoff, who's this uh, 30-year-old former congressional aide, kind of a nobody who came out of, you know, who knows where, and um, has managed to raise more than $8 million uh, at this point. So he's getting money from all over the country. Oh, absolutely. And he's, he's, you know, he became a darling of Daily Coast, um, which is a a progressive Mm -hmm. website that backs... Mm -hmm. Uh, candidates and raised a lot of money for Elizabeth Warren. There was, you know, that was their first candidate. Then Ossoff has smashed all of their records and has broken a ton of House fundraising records, um, you know, for people who aren't self-funding their own race. And uh, so, so if he gets fifty-one percent, right, he's in. He's he's a congressman, right. The chances of that, though, are are pretty long shot. I mean, it's remarkable how much time and money and attention this guy has garnered for somebody who's still, at the end of the day, basically a long shot. Um, he's been helped by the fact that there's a huge Republican field. This is a Republican district with a deep bench of people who are credible and who can run. So there are four candidates who, you know, uh, who are very legit and who are spending money in this race. And uh, and so there hasn't, you know, and Republicans, you know, the NRCC does not, as they say, get involved in primaries. And so they were a little late and caught a bit flat-footed mm. and were forced 
uh, last week to suddenly, you know, dump two, $2 million into this race to gin up uh, Republican turnout because all of a sudden they started looking at the numbers and really started to but freak Republican out. But Republican turnout for whom? Republican turnout so, th- so as to prevent John Ossoff from walking away with 50%. So in other words, uh, their message was just go out and vote for any Republican? Basically, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean all of their all of, of their message all of their messaging <laughs> is to paint Ossoff anywhere from like a kid. They ha- they got some footage of him in college dressed up as Han Solo, <laughs> and um, all the way up. Which to, frankly would make me vote for it. <laughs> well, and that was what was pointed out because they changed their messaging and now they're doing everything of calling him a stooge of you know Nancy Pelosi oh, and oh, yeah, um, right. you know saying that he worked with Al Jazeera, therefore he must be a terrorist. I saw that. I, ha- which I have that ad. Ridiculous. If we want to hear it's that, so yeah. ridiculous. Here we are. Al Jazeera, a media outlet that has been described as a mouthpiece for terrorists. Oh, come on. Has been paying John Ossoff thousands of dollars. (laughs) But John refuses to tell voters exactly how much money he's received. Just like John refuses to tell voters the truth about his experience. What is he hiding? How can we trust him? Al Jazeera. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Was it nest of terrorists, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. All those Al Jazeera people that we dealt with uh, when they bought current TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when is that? When is that election? April eighteenth. So it, the oh. Tuesday after Easter, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. Right. Very. And now, uh, Kansas. Kansas, which uh, Pompeo, is, Mike a, Pompeo. is a bit of a shock, I have to say. Um, it was fun to report that out um, yesterday. It's it's very much still um, breaking news. And then the NRCC's independent expenditure decided to drop. Um, I think it's it's under six figure uh, six figures, but it's Kansas, and you know it's a very inexpensive yeah. market. Yeah. Um, to again to to bump up Republican turnout in a in a district that Trump won by twenty seven points. They are spending money. And partially it's, you know, the NRCC has money. Why not spend it? Why not put an insurance policy just to be sure? But nonetheless, I mean, this is a, this is a district they should be walking away with. Um, and the Democrat there, James Thompson, who's an attorney, there was uh, some local coverage of him uh, failing to even convince his own state party to spend $20,000 on mailers <laughs> on his behalf. And yet now the NRCC is is nonetheless putting in an insurance, insurance policy here. It just sort of shows you the – I mean, special elections are hard to draw lessons from. They're, they're not necessarily evidence for what's going to come in 2018. There's plenty of evidence, you know, where people have won in the past and then got wiped out the following year. But it's still really fascinating to watch Republicans sort of get pretty pretty antsy about some of these races that should be easy So Democrats them. have a good chance of, of winning in Georgia. Is there a chance? I would say they, there's possible chance possible. for Democrats possible to win. Chance. He's yeah. definitely going to make it to the primary. I mean, to, excuse me, to the runoff without right. a doubt. Okay. The question is whether or not he can win it outright. What are the... Is there any chance at all that a Thompson could win in Kansas? I mean, never say never, but I would say it's very unlikely. Um, but the fact that I think what they're going to be worried about is is the if this Republican wins only by four or five points, right. that's going to be seen as a de- the fact as a that pretty it's competitive loss. is yes, is, is, is news yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and then there's Montana, right, right? for Zinke's seat, right? Yeah. And what's going on out there? Uh, it's interesting. So Rob Quist uh, is a folk singer who's who's put out two yes. two pretty good um, compelling TV ads. Is very much playing on his sort of Montana roots. He's running against Greg Gianforte, who is a um, self funder. He dropped about six million dollars on his own governor's. 
um, failed governor's race in 2016 against Steve Bullock. So he's got a pretty solid uh, advantage in name recognition, but not necessarily a good one, as Democrats would point out. Um, he it's a, it's a tough race, though, because it's one that, you know, again, Trump won that state by 20 points. So it's not a place that Democrats mm-hmm. have national Democrats have necessarily put a lot of attention. And there's been a little bit of grumbling in some, from some corners of, you know, we're seeing eight million dollars in uh, in Georgia, in this tiny Georgia race. What would that do for a place like Montana? Um, oh, you could buy the whole state. You Well, and you have to because it's a it's a, you know, at large st- seat. But um, but it's one that. That uh, Democrats see sort of trending away from them. It's a rural district. It's, I mean, excuse me, it's a rural state. It's more blue collar. It's just not one that they see me- moving I, into their column. I think it was a uh, Jim um, Dean who told us yesterday that there's like no, you don't buy TV in Montana. There's no, <laughs> right? You know, it, well, you'd have to you have to buy it in a whole bunch of different. Like, there's four or five actual like so yeah, far because so, there's so yeah there's yeah. so many. Yeah. The, the coverage areas you have to five buy five different um, stations because it's uh, yeah it's so far flung it's yeah. hard to reach people yeah right so this is sort of a warm up for um, twenty eighteen I guess these warm three up. races mm-hmm. yeah well as was um, you know California thirty four which which happened on Tuesday of this week um, to replace Javier Becerra um, in which we saw, you know, two Democrats. It's a deep blue seat. It's not a surprise that um, two Democrats made it into the runoff, but um, but no Bernie people's per se made it into the runoff. So people are sort of pointing to that as an interesting, you know, what does that mean for Democrats moving forward? So yeah, we've got a couple of interesting races going on that tell us a little bit about 2018. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Christina Wilkie covers the White House for the Huffington Post, joining us in studio. So, Christina, what's the reaction uh, here in Washington? Mixed or supportive or? Very mixed. Mixed in a way that I haven't seen in a long time, in fact. Um, it, this, this particular action has seemed to jumble the traditional lines between between Republicans and Democrats, between hawks and doves and isolationists and globalists. So, you know, for a long time, progressives during the Obama administration were hoping that the president would take a stronger position on, on his red line, on the use of chemical weapons. They're banned. There, there is no country in the world that could do take the action the United States could as, as a sort of a moral leader um, for, for international conventions. And when Obama didn't, I think he disappointed a lot of people. Um, so I think especially progressives last night felt a little bit torn because the rhetoric we've heard coming from the Trump administration and from Trump himself has been jingoistic and nationalist and likely to, uh, you know, he, he sounds a bit like a warmonger. And yet, on the face of it, the action he took last night seemed, I think, both uh, ethically and emotionally justified to a lot of people. Uh, and measured. Yes. Well, that's what we understand. Um, that's what, so, yeah, that's what con- congressional leaders were told 
that this would be a single strike. Mm-hmm. And they were told just as the um, just as the strike began, they were given a call by Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats on secure lines, and they were told that the strike had begun and that it would there was no plan at the present for there to be any more. Although the administration reserved, of course, the option of of taking additional action should Bashar al-Assad respond, you know, attack U.S. troops or U.S. allies. Now, one thing that's clear also is um, it, it, and this, this is so complex. There's so many angles, all right, and it's, it, it's, it's not a black and white situation at all, I, I, don't, I don't believe. But it, it certainly is a total change of policy, 180 degrees, for Donald Trump himself. Uh, Jamie went to the Wayback Machine uh, this morning. Let's just just pick one of them from September 28, 2015. Let Syria and ISIS fight. Why are we? Why do we care? I look at Assad, and Assad to me looks better than the other side. Assad to me looks better than the other. Yeah. So his his whole during the campaign was we should not be involved there. Barack Obama was making a mistake by doing anything. We should just let them fight it out. ISIS and Assad, and of the two of them, he would choose Assad. As recently as Monday of this week, Sean Spicer was saying the policy of this administration is Assad stays in power. You right. know. And Secretary of State Tillerson was saying it even Tuesday. Um, and then suddenly, of course, this happened, this chemical weapons strike, which is a big deal. Uh, and I was at the, in the Rose Garden Wednesday with, the, with King Hussein and, and the president when— King Abdullah. King Abdullah. Yeah, King, King Abdullah. Hussein is, yeah. is deceased. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, that they—that um, the, the president said this changed his, whole, changed his attitude uh, about uh, Bashar al-Assad and— he now had the responsibility. He had now the flexibility, and he was going to send a message. I have, I, I have a notion on, on what might have happened. Um, on Wednesday morning at about 7.15, Ivanka Trump issued mm. a tweet in which she called the chemical weapons attack horrific and atrocious and heartbreaking. And she is not a person who tweets casually. Um, she's, very, she's very measured in her communications. This was the first time I had seen her take such a uh, such a, a strong position about an international, you know, security military issue. Yeah. And um, I was struck by it. Um, she had seen the photos clearly. They had made a very deep impression on her. I would not be the least bit surprised if she and or Jared Kushner, the, her husband and the president's really close advisor, showed them to him and shared with him their outrage, and he basically felt the same way. Um, you know, Trump is all about, and the way Trump governs is all about proximity. So mm. if you can get close to him physically, then you can really have his literal ear. And he often makes quick decisions based on the last piece of information he's heard. We should be really clear here because Breitbart, their comment section right now is a disaster because they're furious. I can imagine. That he has bombed Syria. Uh, his alt-right supporters, uh, Mike Cernovich and these guys, the the, the Donald on, on Reddit, right, all these people that, that are Donald supporters, they're all livid that he is taking action in another country, military action in another country. This goes directly against 
what he has always said, as you point out, like this is red meat to his people is we can't be the world's cop anymore. Right. right. And that's kind of and it goes been guiding it, his that, that guided his foreign policy on the campaign trail. Right. And right. It, this directly, <laughs> you know, this directly contradicts the sort of <laughs> Bannon doctrine. Yeah. Yes. Of, totally. Yeah. Of foreign policy, which exactly is let them let the world duke it out um, and close the borders, stay home, look after your own. And um, and yet Bannon's power within the White House has been waning to some yeah. degree um, as. Yeah. I, I want to get to that point okay. uh, a little bit, later, but just sticking with Syria. Um, Barack Obama may have done the same thing, probably would have done the same thing. But Barack Obama would have gone to Congress first. You think so? I, I'm I, I'm really raising that as a question. <laughs> okay, guess would he? But he did, he did, and he couldn't get. And he couldn't get it. It's remarkable to see these same Republicans who thought it was a bad idea for Obama think it's a great right. idea for Trump. And yeah. I must say, the same there was a. But the Democrats were not very supportive of Barack Obama in 2013. No, they weren't. And, no, they weren't. That's and last a very night, they seemed, there was a, a strain of Democrat, leading Democrats, seemed to be saying that this one strike was fine, but for anything more, he would need congressional authorization. But whether it was, you know, from Nancy Pelosi on down, Democrats were slow to, to, to condemn outright the yeah. action taken. And it goes back to the fact that this action appeals to the idea of America as a moral leader in the world and as the only country who can exercise this kind of a... Well, I think there are two factors. One is that, for sure, that the moral mm-hmm. outrage at this, that you just cannot tolerate it by anybody anywhere on the planet, number one. Number two, the response was uh, quick, it was limited, it was proportionate, and it was directed at the source of the chemical weapons. It was directed at the airfield that they came from and was directed not at like Russia with targeting civilian populations, but at the fighter jets, the fuel, the fuel tanks, uh, the radar installations. So there was a, a real purpose, if you will, uh, to this. Uh, and to that extent, people say, "Okay, I understand that." But then the real, then the big question is, now what do we do? Right? Is this it? Or, and then we let the civil war just go on and on and on without doing anything? I mean, our whole Syria policy, this does not resolve our Syria policy. No. At uh, all. Uh, what Syria no. policy? Right. No. Uh, you know, under we, Obama, what was it? And under Trump, what is it? Right. Um, this No, and I think the proportionate and targeted and, um, uh, you know, and surprise element of what happened last night, uh, which you couldn't have had had you gone to Congress, obviously, asking for authorization, but all of those three factors that made it much more palatable to Americans, you can thank National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster for that. Um, he explained last night in an unusually candid way um, how he came to this decision. The president asked him to come up with some options. He presented the president three choices. The president said, focus on two. He, pre- he gamed them out, brought them back to the president, and this was the decision that was made. And he spoke very, he spoke very plainly and with nothing to hide. Um, but yes, this seemed to be as he gains more power within the administration, um, he is an experienced and reliable, um, deeply respected military official. Yeah, um, uh, McMaster officer. certainly, and I think uh, General Mattis too at the Pentagon, who yes. briefed the president uh, last night. I mean, exactly, and, and they 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 did move, they did move move fast. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and they're pros and. Trump doesn't have a lot of pros around him. 
You know, if, you, if, if you've got Jared Kushner in one ear and Bannon in the other, um, <laughs> which he's had, that's, that's basically defined this administration so far. So the fact that McMaster and Manis are their stars are rising, they get more face time with the president, all of those, even though they are their military officers. So naturally, you might, you know, that you, you might think, uh, you know, if, I mean, they've they've only got a hammer. So the whole world is a nail. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we're actually in good shape because they're grown ups. Uh, nobody leading the resistance better or stronger than MoveOn.org. Corinne yep. Jean-Pierre is a senior advisor, national spokesperson for MoveOn.org. Uh, a good friend and in studio right this morning. Thank you so hey. much for having me. I'm thanks. so glad to be here. Thanks for and coming in about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the priorities this year, health care, and uh, is climate change another one? I mean, what, yeah, absolutely. what are your members well, interested uh, in? I, well, cli- climate change is definitely an issue that our members care about. Um, as you mentioned, uh, he's rolling back uh, all of the uh, the, 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 uh, the positive things uh, that uh, executive orders that, o- that President Obama did, which is incredibly dangerous, as we all know, for all of the reasons that you, that you listed. So climate change is an issue. Health care is an issue. Uh, people care about our our democracy. So Russia, what, what what was going on with Russia? Uh, is our president and his you know and his his gang are they are are they at, at all compromised? That's very important. We need to get to the bottom of this, and uh, and so that those are those are, are are clearly issues that are that are tremendously important. And also the, the 2018, like that's going to be a focus that uh, that move on is going to to have absolutely. Yeah. Starting with these special elections. Move on is yeah, special elections this year as yep. a warm up. Montana, sort of, we were talking Georgia, a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, Montana, Georgia, and Kansas. Kansas right? is another one, which seems to be uh, the Republicans are afraid about that one too. They're pouring in money. You know, we Kansas. we hear about from we hear from people all the time. They're just like, what can we do? We want to get involved. They didn't really engage in the uh, national election necessarily. Now they're really feeling like maybe they should have been yeah. a little more active. Uh, like I would just say, you guys are a great resource to Appreciate figure that. out where to direct that energy. Because yep. people have energy, they have resources, and they're ready to give them away. Yep, come come to moveon.org. Yeah, and you we guys, will, we will help you figure that out. You all do a very very good job Thanks, of Peter. like I really helping make that. sure people put their resources in the right I place. I really oh. really appreciate that. Absolutely, we do our best. So um, you can't win them all, right? No. Um, disappointment with Neil Gorsuch. I mean. Fought the good fight, but the but numbers I, just weren't there. Right, and but, but it was the right fight to fight, wasn't it? Was, it was. It was the right fight to fight. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to no, say something else? No, sorry, just, I didn't want yeah. to cut you off there. It was the right fight to fight, and that's what the the resistance, resistance wanted. They wanted Democrats to stand up and show and give a voice to the people who are out on the streets. And I think it was important because there there are a lot of issues with Gorsuch. First of all, he's far right. He would have been. He is going to be on the right on the on the right of Scalia of Scalia, which, which is right. which yeah. is insane just to think about. Um, and also, look, it's it's it's. It's one of those things like we had Merrick Garland. We we legitimately had a consensus consensus candidate that was put forth by a president that wasn't under FBI investigation. 
and uh, and they they decided to hold that seat uh, open for over a year. They made uh, Merrick Garland wait for about 293 days, and it's been 60 days. It was 60 days since he was announced, just a little bit of 60 days since he was announced, and they wanted to jam this through, and there are reasons why. The Muslim ban is one of the reasons why, and there are a lot of things that they are, that's going oh, to yeah. be going to the yeah. Supreme Court. Absolutely. That it's, it's all politics, right? And that's what, that's what Republicans were thinking about. They wanted to get their guy in to make these important decisions, but we needed to fight back. We absolutely needed to fight back. Now it's at the feet of Mitch McConnell. He decided to do this nuclear option. He's going to live with it, and it's going to unfortunately, you know, yeah. hurt the credibility of the now, Senate. All the lamentations about changing the rules and the Senate's not going to be, you know, the slow, deliberative body that it used to be, and everything. Yeah, fine. Blame uh, Mitch McConnell. Twofold. Right. Number one, about to say, yeah, twofold. for Merrick Garland. That's exactly right. Uh, and number two, for changing the right. rules, which he did yesterday, which is going to come around, right. I believe, to bite them in the and ass. And you can argue that the first one was a nuclear option. They Absolutely. were They had the majority, so they were able to hold him off and not give the guy a hearing. And it was a consensus candidate. Yeah. candidate. Yeah. And the idea that some people are saying Democrats should just sit back and let not this Not at win. all. No, no, no. no not no, at all. No, they need no. to fight I, tooth and nail. I think Chuck Schumer, Dick Durbin, and the rest of them, Elizabeth Warren, all of them, they did a great job. On Absolutely. Them, even though they didn't. And Jeff Merkley, let's not forget Jeff him. Jeff Merkley. 15-hour Jeff Whoa, Merkley. Go right. for it. Good for yeah. him. God. Kareen, so good to see oh, you. Thanks, thanks for, for coming me. in. Thank it's moveon.org. Go there, Come sign up if out. you haven't already done so. Have a great weekend, everybody. This Bye, everybody. is The Bill Press Show.